Hello friends, it's time to drop the needle on another episode of Supersonic Chat. This is a music podcast full of debate, jousts and thought experiments, all done in the name of your entertainment. My name is Adrian Warhope. And I'm Leon Leroux. Adrian, as keeper of the questions and the crafter of the conundrums, what provocative treats have you planned for us today, good sir? Uh, Leon, this episode is broadly, generally, about everyone's musical coming of age and more specifically, this episode is about our coming of age musically. Ah, and even beautiful. more specifically, this is about <laughs> grunge. What a what an era. What an era. This is about the explosion of alternative rock in the 90s that formed a big part of our musical com- coming of age. But first, sir, first, a conundrum, a conundrum. Mm-hmm. Every few years, music seems to reinvent itself. So think about... Beatlemania in the 60s and Elvis with the rock and roll revolution. You've got punk exploding in 77 with The Clash, The Jam and Sex Pistols. And then the 80s, you've got New Wave, you know, with Devo and Police and Blondie. Um, Hardcore and metal, Black Flag, Black Sabbath. And then grunge comes along in the 90s. Think about uh, the music now that we're listening, a lot of music we're listening to. There's a really definite 70s sound. Oh, yeah. With some of that stuff, right? All standing it's, on the shoulders I, of giants. Yeah. I don't think it's just. I don't think it's just necessarily change. I think it's also cyclic. I think so too. Well, you. Well, I mean, you looked then out of alternative rock. Uh, it went into new metal. It went into emo. Yeah. And then I definitely got caught up in the garage rock revival of the early two oh, thousands. Yeah. It's it's pretty hard to miss. But yeah. I don't think it's just music that changes. Everything changes like that. Fashion changes, and art changes, and and it's everything's always in a total constant state of change. Well, well, I think you're right. And my conundrum was this, why specifically, or why generally, why do you think music reinvents itself every few years? I reckon it's uh, similar to the idea that, you know, kids deliberately develop tastes that are different from their parents. Oh, you know, like, I think, I think part of defining yourself comes from comparing yourself to other people finding your own identity carving your own niche forging yeah. your own way initially you're probably introduced to music from your parents but then there's a hunger for something different yeah. and new there, uh, there's no sense of self without the understanding of the other and i think yeah. you probably start off uh, trying what somebody else has done and then just going well hang on let's try something else defined by what you don't want to be I yeah. think so. I think music specifically is always a reaction to what's come before it. Um, yeah, for sure. And and you just you just wait after this uh, garage band rock and roll revival that we're sort of listening to now. New waves just around the corner again. Oh yeah, and probably punks just around the corner or something like that. Some a, fresh new weird version of yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, look, I think with music that something new and fresh comes along. It, it pierces into the zeitgeist. It explodes out into everyone's you know, often seems like it's overnight, but it's been bubbling away, bubbling away, bubbling away, and then suddenly it emerges into the broad consciousness. Once, and then, once everybody understands it, yeah. Yeah, and then it's, it's new, but then people want more of that. So people try and emulate that sound because they like it, but then they also want to get successful and broad reach. So unfortunately, I think music then becomes a photocopy of a photocopy of a yeah. photocopy well, trying to recreate be. something. But Maybe. then but something new but wants to come out music's, again. Music's been music and art actually have been changing for hundreds and hundreds of years you can take it right back to the renaissance really okay this so is your... like 
area? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but um, music generally trails art by about 50 years, um, traditionally. So like you're talking Renaissance music, um, the stuff that was changing and because the Renaissance was all about the rebirth of Greek and Roman traditions. Right. And so they were uncovering, uncovering um, mosaics and frescoes and stuff. And the artists were like, oh, let's do this again. And, and they were also uncovering um, um, music as well a little bit. They've only really just started to learn how to read their musical notation. But they were uncovering stuff, getting an interest in, in, in cla- what's called classical understandings. Um, and then, yeah, so they did that in the Renaissance. And then that lasted for about 150 years or thereabouts. And then romanticism, oh, sorry, and then Baroque as well between yep. that and then romanticism. Music and art would like changing under those same banners for like hundreds of years. And, and, and are you saying art would kind of, would would uh, be the vanguard of change and often yeah. trail music would trail along behind well, it, it? Yeah, it would get quickly on board, but then like it would sort of last for an extra 50 years after arts moved on, um, like for example, of going to romanticism, like, you, you know, artists like Jericho and Delacroix and Francisco Goya, who we mentioned before, when mentioned earlier with his etching um, in an earlier episode. Oh, yes. Um, the, the romanticist composers were people like Beethoven and Chopin, and, um, and they lasted until the 20th century, whereas the romanticist painters stopped in about 1850 or thereabouts, and then they moved on to Impressionism. Right, but then so did so too did music. Music then moved to impressionism, and then like in the twentieth century, once modernism happened, then um, music became a bit more modernist. You know, like as as yeah, artists are starting to paint abstractly. Um, um, the musicians started becoming more abstract with with their music. But then once yeah. the twentieth century happened, like change happened so fast that you're talking we're talking cycles of instead of hundreds of years we're talking like 10 years and now that's a really interesting point because now cycles seem to have sped up so quick even more yeah and it's directly to do with communication i reckon technology maybe yeah Yeah, yeah, as 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 technology and communication becomes more efficient you can you can sort of um cycles of change happen much much quicker and now we're in like a postmodern era and stuff is just a, a highly eclectic mishmash which references all kinds of eras at the same time and juxtaposes different genres and and but and now i, I think we see we sort of see cycles within cycles like things like you probably see a hip-hop cycle and you probably oh, yeah. see rock and roll cycles and and all sorts of stuff and it's all sort of jumbled up together and then you see stuff music that's just mashed together yeah and i think it's always about trying to find that fresh sound trying to yeah find oh, for sure different and I think I think there's a couple of things in the 20th century. Technology exploded. Um, with you think about the advent of the gramophone, of um, of telephone, of television, of radio. So and that could support music's um, broad reach to a mass consumer. And also there was yeah. the hunger of the ba- baby boomers to 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 latch onto their own thing in the 60s yeah. to to separate themselves from the, the the war and find their own niche with and then that really saw the explosion of popular modern pop music yeah. with rock and roll, which was a big rebellious step from what their parents listened to. Oh, yeah. Isn't it always the way, like the new thing hated by the previous generation just yeah, fuels yeah. the fire, fuels the fire. Yeah, My parents like, hate yes. it. I love it. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. Um, and I think technology now can sustain so many niche branches of music. You look at the top 40. Remember our episode about rap caviar? They were yeah, hugely yeah. consumed and we just had never heard of them. The top no. 50 at the moment, <laughs> we've never heard of them because nah. there is hip hop niches within hip hop niches. There is yeah. pop niches inspired by hip hop. There's all these kind of broad niches that can be sustained by um, global um, consumption supported by technology you know through is, streaming is one of those hip hop is one of those hip hop niches whenever your name has the word lil in it lil and don't yeah. forget barry the rap man barry the rap man <laughs> those That's train right. spotters out there revisit that little uh, secret song at the end of that episode little, little easter egg nugget yeah so all the lil rappers maybe the next thing will be something <laughs> something else maybe God big knows. Big. Maybe big nah, well, Biggie Smalls, he was there first. <laughs> Something will come around. So you're right. Music changes every few years and speeds up and speeds up. Yeah. It's so hard to yeah. keep a handle on it all. Um, and I think what we sort of touched on there is that at some point, everyone goes through a personal musical coming of age. So there's a time. I think there's like an um, epiphany where they go, Yeah, this is for me. Yep, and I think that epiphany is a line in the sand. It's a time or an event from which you delineate everything that came before yeah. and you measure everything that has come since. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, and I think um, there are those in your life, uh, uh, you know, there are others in your life that are informed by what came before it. I think when you're young, um, nothing impacts you as that first revelation of that there is music out there that speaks to you, that it's yours, that you choose it. It hasn't been handed to you or expected of you to, to like it. Um, yeah, that's, that's, sort of, that's, that's sort of touching on that sort of thing we were talking about last week of creating these super fans where, you, where you, it speaks directly to you. It's something which you create a relationship with. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's part of when, when you find something that your parents don't like and maybe even your friends don't like and you're like, there's nobody else I know who likes this stuff. This is yep. something that's mine and mine alone. Yep. And then you find people who are, who like this music and you go, wow, you're like, you're practically my friend already. You find your tribe, you <laughs> yeah. find your people. No, it's yeah. true. And look, throughout my life, there have been other things that have come that I've got excited about and that have become epiphanies or lines in the sand of, I like this, this is for me. But and nothing- grunge is one of them, right? Well, it was, but it was the first. Yeah. It was the first yeah. because yeah. nothing is like that first one. You know, everything else is informed by that, but nothing is like that totally. first musical awakening. So my question to you is like, you know, we're going to talk about grunge, obviously, because that was our, our era, 90s rock and, and the explosion yeah. of grunge. But was that the music that you were first turned on, turned on to? What influenced you at that age in your life? Was there yeah, for a specific sure. album, well, specific band? Well, specific like album, specific album that really spoke to me was there was um, Rage Against Machines first self-titled, which I bought when I was about twelve or something like that, about ninety-two yeah. or ninety-three, and maybe I was thirteen. Anyway, I bought that, but I, I very quickly turned towards grunge as well. Like I had them; they were side by side, but that that gritty heavy sound that grunge has like grunge has that real metal sound to it it's yep. not metal by any no. by any um stretch of the imagination but it has that sound it's got that same heavy gritty down tuned um minor key sound that that yep. um is i think from common with with metal yeah but it, i very quickly grabbed grunge alongside of that 
Yeah. And I didn't sure. get and into metal for a long time. In fact, I think grunge was the gateway to me to metal. Yeah. What what came before? What were you listening to before the explosion of grunge and Rage Against the Machine and, and alternative rock when you're a young I was teenager? actually actively so when yeah, between the ages of about ten and, and twelve, I was actively searching for what I might like and I wasn't finding anything. I was listening to my parents liked my dad liked Frank Zappa and I did not understand that. At all. That's a that's a close. that's a tough ask of a ten year old to oh, love Frank Zappa. It's tough. It was a yeah. tough one. He he is out there. But I mean, my parents listen to think people like the Police and stuff like that. Yep. I was like, yeah, it's all right. It's a bit catchy, but it doesn't speak to me. Yeah. And and then I tried borrowing, as I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, I tried borrowing um, cassette tapes from the library just to try stuff out. So I'd buy five, yeah. borrow five at a time and I'd listen to like three songs and go, Ugh, or I'd listen to another song. But what sort of stuff? Is this like Bon Jovi that was big back yeah, then? Yeah, that sort of stuff. Bon Jovi. Yeah. Billy Idol was the closest that I came yes. to liking. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind a bit of, I bit came, of Billy Idol. Yeah, I came closest to liking Billy Idol. I listened to that a few times before getting bored of it. But then it wasn't long after that that Rage came along and I was like, yep, okay. Now I'm, yeah. I'm going down this path. What about no, you, that- man? Well, uh, so for me, so I've always, I loved music. I remember trying to learn the words to MC Hammer, You Can't Touch This, mm-hmm. at a sleepover at my mate's place. Mm-hmm. I remember trying to learn the words to Vogue, Madonna's Vogue. We taped it off the radio and it was like, sure. stop, play, what is that? And we're writing down yeah, yeah. all the words. Um, but you did know, you did you have like a, a consistent, like, because I had, you know, dipped into songs as well, but did you have a consistent thing before grunge? No, like a no, no. First I, live, right? Yep, I enjoyed watching George Michael Faith on, you know, video hits on a Saturday, but it was all top, it was top 40. So what was yeah. top 40, you know, that was what was big for me. Some of the big things that changed my life was um, my oldest sister had a boyfriend that gave her a mixtape. And on that mixtape, it had um, bands like Hot House Flowers, Violent Femmes, Jane's Addiction. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember listening to some of that going, wow, this is weird. Um, also, I went... I was lucky enough to travel to overseas when I was 12 or 13 and my mum bought me a Sony Walkman duty free mega bass boost. Yes. And she said, God bless Jewel. You can pick out, pick yourself out a cassette Adrian that you might like to listen to while, while you go. And I, the number one song at that time was Epic by Faith No More. And I bought Lucky you. I bought the real thing, the album Good on cassette. For you. Good for and you. It blew my little mind. Yeah. I just I loved it. It was yeah. really, Faith really no, cool. I got into Faith No More pretty easy, pretty early as well. Yeah. And and look, the other thing, the other tape that I bought, which I loved, Technotronic, Pump Up the Jam. <laughs> loved it. <laughs> loved it. Jam, pump it up while your feet are stumping And the jam is pumping Look ahead, the crowd is jumping Pump it up a little more Get the party going on the dance floor See, cause that's where the party's at And you find out if you do that Your musical taste is just like a little bit 
it's just more sophisticated, but that kind of sums up your musical taste now. Bit of, bit of dance, bit of fun, bit of, bit of rock and roll, yeah. but a bit more sophistication. Maybe. <laughs> I did love Technotronic and I still, you know, but there was, I just love, I wanted to consume that stuff, but you're right. All of this, like all, all of this um, leads to um, an explosion and emergence of, and it really comes down to Nirvana for me the explosion mm-hmm. of smells like teen spirit the single which yep. went to number one in australia and was a massive video the video was incredible it was everywhere the yep. song was everywhere on mainstream radio so i'm not 12 years old listening to triple j or anything like that i'm listening to 2go yep. gosford radio <laughs> you know whatever it is no, yeah. i always listen to triple j but Nirvana for me as well, I had a friend who made me a Nirvana mixtape. Oh, wow. And I was like, whoa, man, the, every single song I love with a passion. That, uh, firstly, shout out to older sisters, boyfriends of older sisters and mates <laughs> that give you mixtapes and yeah. start feeding your obsession. Yes. Big shout out because that was that's where it starts feeding into my life. Yeah. And well, these, days be, these days it'd be sharing a playlist with a mate. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Going to see a gig. it takes time to craft that. Yeah. That's, that's where it's at, right? Yeah. That's the high fide- that high fidelity mixtape, you know, meaning there. Is, What's is the right because- song to kick that off? How do you and flow it? And also it's like um, you're spending the time to really think about that person and what they might appreciate. Yeah, that's great. Pretty nice. Uh, before we just go dive into grunge, i got a shout out to a band called Rat Cat. Ratcat are an Australian <laughs> band that yeah. got massive. They were an indie, dirty indie rock pop band that had really catchy songs, but they were they came out of the inner Western Sydney Australian yeah. scene. So they weren't a big pop band, a big international rock. They were just <laughs> what a, a name to Ratcat album, Blind Love. That was massive. Simon Day, lead singer. I don't think you could walk down the street in Sydney. People, girls would flock. It was just huge. But then Nirvana came and just blew them all away. But yeah. That kind of laid the groundwork in Australia for the uh, rise of alternative rock in, into the mainstream, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk grunge. Yes. Let's talk grunge. Let's get into it. It changed what we listened to. It changed what we wore. And yeah, 100%. It, it spoke to us. We had new heroes. We had new posters on our wall. Um, and it was the significant delineated moment in, in my musical awakening was was grunge. Um, so let's talk well, about that. Started, what is grunge? What does it mean? Shirts. We all started wearing flannelette shirts and growing our hair long and getting undercuts and stuff. Yep. Uh, <laughs> camo pants off yeah. to the op shop or the thrift yeah. shop if you're listening overseas. Yeah, and, um, uh, and, and uh, getting going to the army surplus store and getting some nice big fat boots. Yep, yep. Stuff Unreal. Like or yeah, Doc so- Martens, whichever you choose. Yeah. All of those, all, uh, yep. you know, your Vans, your Converse, so I like good. How, I like that dirty sound that grunge always has. It, just, it has this really garage kind of feel to it and there's there's something that's that feels raw, feels immediate, and it feels like I could play this. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And didn't we? Didn't we all try to jump yeah. in the garage by a distortion pedal? Yeah. All right. Let, let's get to the pinnacle of the moment, right? What is grunge? What is grunge? Well, it's- I don't necessarily think it's limited to, let me say, don't think it's limited to Seattle. It's definitely, you know? did it, like, the genesis of it. it birthed, oh, but I don't think it's limited to it. No, it is definitely not. The genesis of grunge is in Seattle in, yeah. the, in the US. 100%. Um, grunge is a bigger, broader, mutant beast that, to, the, to be honest, feels a little tainted, a little dirty these days. I use it with pride, but it could almost yeah. be like, you know, Cotton On come out with a new grunge range in 2020, our throwback <laughs> grunge range. You know, like it's become a dirty fashion statement, a, a, a sticky, gross, yeah. one-size-fits-all label. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say that the, you, you've got, like when I was talking about earlier with Renaissance, in the Renaissance you have the early Renaissance and then you have the high Renaissance. I think the early Renaissance of grunge was in Seattle yeah. and the high Renaissance broadened to the, the high Renaissance of grunge broadened to the rest of the world. That is a very good description. I like that. Thanks, I like man. that. So, you know, we could talk about the key artists of, of the Renaissance. I have always struggled to put Nirvana into grunge because I held on to the label as it being a um, a hybrid of metal. It came out of me- it was a metal um, uh, style that mm. that was a reaction to what came before it in the eighties of hair metal and that kind of thing. And yeah, the bands oh, totally. That, yeah, I think Pearl Jam comes out of that classic rock, and then you've got Alice in Chains and um, and Soundgarden that are coming out of that metal um, specific genre of the eighties, yeah. reacting to what came before it. They are dressed down not fancy dress they are a matte finish compared to the high gloss of the 80s yeah but when everyone's if you said grunge to every man on the street they would say Kurt Cobain they would say Nirvana yeah because I think I think um, Nirvana kind of sealed the deal for grunge it sort of cemented grunge in the place of the world and, and made sure that it definitely had what I think Nirvana did really well is that they trod the line between pop and grunge and they made the grunge sound palatable for the masses that that i couldn't agree with you more i think that nirvana came out of um the art punk sort of scene and they were as much into like you know tip of the hat to bands like the replacements you know, yep. Sonic Youth, especially, especially mm-hmm. they came from that branch of the musical tree. Um, yep. And they t- they influenced, were influenced then by, you know, grittier bands from the 80s, heavier bands from the 80s. Yeah. Um, they were friends with the Melvins, which were a real yeah. dark, dirt yeah, grinding band. Love yep. the Melvins. And they took it to the masses. And because you're right, um, the album Nevermind is excellent songwriting with a distinct sound that just penetrated the mindset of everyone. It just, it just took off. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I would say that the term grunge, and I think we're touching on this. 
I made a bold statement a few episodes ago where I said, Yeah, you did. I said, Grunge for me does not include Nirvana. Grunge, the holy triumvirate of grunge is Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam. Because I was of the opinion that it came from that metal branch. Yeah. You're, you're right to respond, sir. You're right well, to respond. For, for all of you out there, triumvirate is anyone who, any three people who rule or dominate a particular, it's usually in politics. Yeah. Any three people. Who, so who are the people who dominate grunge? And I would say that Nirvana is up there, but I'm going to start, I'm going to lead up. And, and Nirvana is on my holy triumvirate. Yep. But I'm going to, I'm going to lead off with Sonic Youth. You would call them grunge. Yep. I take yep. issue me, with that, sir. Good, 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 good. Well, continue. Let me, let me say that when they first started in 1981 um, with things like Confusion is, like albums like Confusion is Sex and, and the EP Kill Your Idols, I reckon they first had those first sound, grunge sounds. I know they were coming out of like a post punk kind of thing, but I think they had those grunge sounds. wasn't fast like punk um it was slow like grunge tends to be like you know grunge can be fast but it tends to be slow yep dirgy grinding grinding yep. sounds right and i think they had that noise that that and the dissonance that is so prominent in in grunge at that time uh, in grunge and at that time right so this is at like years and years ago you know 1982 was when they well 1983 sorry is when they brought out that that killer files and, and um and confusion is sex album but um and they had that also that soft to hard thing that grunge often has like yeah being soft and then going hard but then they brought out evil in 1986 and then daydream nation in 1988 and that all straight up sounds like grunge And I think you put it in grunge. I put it in grunge because they kept going. Yeah. Right. So they didn't just start creating these grunge sounds. They evolved and then they, they, they kept going right through grunge. And I, you know, I think they sort of sidestep grunge in a way, but I think they still fit whilst grunge is happening. They're still, they, their sound had changed so that they fit with grunge and like, Get these. These are probably my favorite three albums, right? In reverse order, so going from three to one, three to one. Goo, Dirty, and Experimental Jet Set, Trash and No Star, right? Yeah. And that's in 1990, 1992, and 1994, which is I what I'd reckon is the high renaissance of grunge. I agree and, with that. And Experimental Jet Set, Trash and No Star. It's it's wild. It's crazy. Bulling Bull the Heather is on that record, yeah, right? Great, crazy. great single. Second song. And it's, it's an excellent, I reckon, an excellent 
version uh, understanding of what grunge is all about it's got those filthy little sounds i mean think about the the dirty album cover right it's got little it's got little um hand knitted kind of grandma chic um stuffed animals on the front yeah yeah, uh, stuff you'd find in in um, op shops, thrift stores for all those listeners out there from other c- countries not in Australia, and um, and you'd, stuff you'd find in 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 those secondhand stores, which we got all of our clothes from. You know, yep. it's the image wise and sound wise, their unkempt um, personal presentation presentation <laughs> yeah right? yeah and they kept going obviously and then i think they they moved on sort of from a bit of a grunge sound they still kept the the the, the basic formula of what they do but then i think they tidied it up in the late 90s and got away from the grunge sound look maybe i, I don't put sonic youth in grunge i i i think they are the seedlings the ge- of the genesis of grunge and then yeah. they marched alongside and strolled boldly into the 90s on the the vanguard of the explosion of alternative rock yeah. i i think that grunge really came out of um like a dirty metal sort of sound in seattle and i think th- i looked it up that the sort of the first term use where they attribute the word grunge was in a sub pop release that um that Green River put out, one of the first bands on the sub pop album, and Bruce Pavitt, who owned the, the label, described them as ultra loose grunge that destroyed the morals of a generation. That's yes. in 1986. Good work, grunge. That's what we grunge. wanted to do: destroy those morals of a generation. You know, and I think it came. You know, that bands at that time that then that they signed was Soundgarden, so they had a single and an EP that followed, yeah. and then they put out Nirvana's Bleach uh, yeah. album, and bands of that time and then you throw in Alice in Chains around the same time formed the the, the genesis the, the the heart and soul of grunge now as much as I say that grunge is metal and more than punk and nirvana I have an issue with you know what the, the sound of grunge is a variety of styles this is the hard thing it's hard to pin down it's a label yeah. that the yeah. industry's chucked on because it fuses punk rock and I'll use American bands because it's an, an American style right this came out of yes. America punk rock of Black Flag, which traversed the nation in the 80s with Henry Rollins out there screaming his tattooed chest out. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the guys were influenced by Sabbath and that metal sound that came in um, of, of, of Black Sabbath, you know, Killing Joke and and those heavier bands. Yeah. And indie, and there is a third strand, and I think this is where Sonic Youth comes in, of indie rock, which incorporates Sonic Youth, Pixies, Replacements, Husker Do. You know, it's that distortion field down-tuned riff-based rock that is grunge and i think the three big the big bands are the alice in chains soundgarden and um pearl jam but there is no grunge without nirvana taking it to the masses yeah so so i i it might have retract my died, statement it, it might have oh. fizzled and died mm. i retract my statement and i now say that there is a big four in grunge the really? big four, and you've got to put Nirvana on the top. Yeah, okay. I've I, well, I, I've changed. I, I, the reason I think that I, I think they encompass and um, sum up so much about what everybody was striving for um, in really pithy and um, succinct ways. Um, like think about some of the things that we that we were thinking and feeling at the time. We, we were full of 
alienation and sort of feeling salt like sense of solitude disillusionment with yep per- the previous values yep um bit, a bit of lack of hope um like i never i never cared one iota about politics once because i was like these guys have stuff it all don't speak for me you know kids these days they definitely care about politics yeah and much you know, more informed and much more um you know, up Completely. to date. We, we were just like, there's no hope. Why would we care about any of this stuff? And I think Nirvana sums that up really, really well um, in their they lyrics. Do. And there's also a sense of not even caring, you know, like think about the chorus, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or hello, 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 yep. hello, hello. Hello. Right? But <laughs> these, these here are here like we are the, now. The lyrics, Entertain right? us. Yeah. These and and I mean it's not just all vacuous, but it's like I mean the whole album's called Nevermind. Nevermind. Yeah. Nevermind. It's like it's like calling an album whatever. Whatever. And ever, amen. Yeah, and, and you know, Nirvana were antiheroes. They went, I don't want to be a rock star. Rock yeah. stars are, are these dinosaurs with you know leather jackets from the eighties that just yeah. think they're all that. We just yeah. remember Kurt turned up to a photo shoot with Rolling Stone that said he hand printed the shirt that's something like "Corporate Magazine Suck" or something <laughs> like that, and, and that's on the cover of Rolling Stone. No one wanted to be seen to be wanting more. They were like, we just want to make art. We just want to yeah. be. I remember at the time, like. Interest rates were in Australia 18, 19, 20% for home loans. Unemployment yeah. was high. Yeah, yeah, and I remember yeah. hearing my parents talk about this stuff and yeah. just going, there's no hope for the future, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and Nirvana w- just grabbed that and made it palatable in a, in a 50 minute album that I could put on. And it could put words and music to feelings that I couldn't put into words and music. It's pretty hard to even quantify exactly how that band sums up how we were feeling even it's really hard to even pinpoint specific moments in their thing we go yep this clearly sums it yeah. up because it doesn't because a lot of it was about um ambivalence um how we were feeling and yep. and i think um not caring was a, an essential part of what was what was going through you know remember that simpsons episode where they're talking about gen x and and, and a Gen X kid is watching the thing. He goes, whatever. Your chance to own a piece of itchy and scratchy. The Toontown twosome beloved by everyone. Even cynical members of Generation X. Yeah. Groovy. Yeah. <laughs> he's watching the he's watching the program. And yep. like, whatever. Yep. Man, I don't care. And I think I think that um, Nirvana was in everyone's face as well because they were so they had those pop hooks. Yeah. But then like, but a lot of people think they like Nirvana because they've heard some of those songs with the pop hooks, but then you play them an entire album and suddenly they go, what's this? Yeah. You know, territorial pissings, the heavy, just chaos.
that um, was on our um, was on our playlist a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, um, Scentless um, Apprentice. Scentless Apprentice. That one's a hard song to listen to if you're not initiated to that sound, that grunge sound. thing on on in utero the follow-up to the massive massive smash hit of Nevermind. they get steve mm. albini in to produce this thing he it is just raw it is the production is yeah. like they're making an underground punk yeah just it's album my, it's, it's i prefer it to um never mind it, it's not as glossy as Nevermind, yeah. and i do enjoy it i remember in, buying in it fact, as a kid going I th- wow i think i've heard that they that the band didn't like how polished Nevermind sounded it was their first major label. So they were on Sub Pop for Bleach in 89. Yeah. Yeah. And they went to Geffen for, uh, to get a major label deal um, to get some bigger promotion and marketing money. Not that they were selling out. They just wanted broader, broader push. And they, you're right. It's a glossier sound. Albini, you Google the letter that he writes to the band about what he's going to do on the production. Oh, I've seen um, that. It's, it's very, I won't try and re- yeah. reiterate it here, but it's worth a listen. Sure and is. think about the first lyrics of the follow-up to the smash hit teenage angst has paid off well now i'm bored and old yeah it's perfect and he was a troubled guy. He was an artist. And in yeah. the great spirit of artists, he was troubled. He was melancholy. He had substance abuse problems and unfortunately he ended his, his life far too soon. But f- for us, grunge made it, I was an ambitious kid and, and, and liked being involved in doing stuff and all that, like every kid and, and, and wanted to make my parents proud. But also like every kid who's a teenager, Nirvana made it okay for me to not care, to be melancholy, to... Um, just be frustrated and to have an outlet. And it summed that up and gave voice to that, that part of our lives. Um, and that's why, why it was so important to me. The other thing is that Nirvana then, you start at Nirvana, it's the first thing that penetrates my teenage little teenage mind. I'd never heard distortion before. It was crazy. And he's yeah, everywhere. And a lot of that distortion is very heavy distortion. It's not, yep. it's, it's noise distortion. It's not yep. like just like 70s, sort of rock and roll no sort of rolling stones uh it's it's pedal distortion it is proper like fuzzed out muffed out distortion yep no it's Uh, it's uh, yeah it's a new fresh sound it reinvented itself and it was a reaction to what came before it so that fuzzed out lo-fi dirgy dirgy i remember my parents had trouble hearing the difference between the chords because it was so distorted yep and I'd go, can't you hear? Like, and I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Just playing the same chord. Yeah, it was, I loved it. Great. Think about this, right? Um, Nirvana, never mind, hit number one in Australia. So they came out and played The Big Day Out in January 92. The album came yeah. out in August of 91. January 92, it, it's starting to go big and they play The Big Day Out and it displaced an album for number one on the billboard charts in January 92. Do you, this is just such a statement on 
the changing of the guard that happened. What album do you think Nirvana Nevermind displaced for number one on the Billboard chart in the US in January of 92? Uh, uh, I'm going to say it's got to be something big and poppy, right? A big male pop star. Not George Michael. You're on the right track. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more chance. I'm going to use the same name, Michael Jackson. You got it. Did I? Uh, Yep. (laughs) So Michael Jackson. There is nothing more 80s and pop than Michael Jackson, the king of pop. Uh, His album Dangerous, which I think had black or white uh, as the single. I wouldn't have guessed that without your prompts, though. That's Well done. (laughs) Well done, Leon. Um, it, It was number one. And in 92, the changing of the guard, Nirvana hits number one. And from there opens the door for Pearl Jam with their debut album, which was a monster. Um, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, that, all I comes from there. I never look, you, you said Pearl Jam is up there in your holy, in your holy triumvirate. Yes. Now a quartet. I, I, quad, quadumvirate? Quadrumvirate? I don't know. I don't yep. speak Latin. Um, the, the, um, I would disagree. I reckon they had two good albums and I reckon you've got to sustain awesomeness to be in your holy triumvirate pearl jam the first two pearl jam albums are excellent and then they didn't innovate as much as i would like them to have they've had some decent moments but again i listened to the music i didn't fall in love with pearl jam with eddie vedder and i know i know i have friends that are mental to this day about eddie vedder and Pearl Jam. Yeah, well, but, you know how yeah. you said that that Sonic Youth is more like alternate rock. Yeah, I'm going to say that 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 Pearl Jam is more like moderate rock. You, it, it is definitely the the adult oriented rock of grunge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a milder sound than what I imagine grunge. When yeah. I think about grunge, Pearl Jam has a much more easy listening vibe than what I consider grunge to be. You're fairly heavy hitting um yeah and they came out of green river so so jeff ament stone gossard played in green river then there was a band called mother love bone which had a different lead singer who had a heroin overdose and then they went and auditioned eddie vetter who came out of la he came out of la right. and auditioned and then moved to seattle and, and formed pearl jam but um yeah it is i know what you're saying but yeah, i still I think as much as if, if you respect chucking, the choice but i just don't agree with it <laughs> fair play it's, it's not like yeah. I'd say. It's not like I'd say Pearl Jam is a bad band. I don't mind Pearl Jam, but like I said, I got they got two good albums. I just don't. I just can't. Like, it didn't rock me like other other um, grunge bands did. Yeah, Nirvana was polarizing. I think for people that weren't into the distortion and all of that. And Pearl Jam, the- Rolling Stones fans went, "Oh yeah, Pearl Jam. I love the new sound. This is great." Like, let's go know. to that. What's that other band you said? Was it Green River? No, 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 no. In your Mother Love three. Bone. No, you top love. Oh, Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains, right. Who were I a don't... hair metal band. They were a hair metal yeah, band, I, big they're, riff rocking band. They're, they're, their sound 
again, didn't get to an adventurous enough for me to put them in top three. They were the first band that really used harmony really yeah. well. They did, yeah. and, but then they just did singers. that forever. Yeah, they did. Can I, a little side note, I went and saw them play in Melbourne with the new lead singer, R.I.P. Lane, um, the new lead singer whose name escapes me, and the band were unreal. Yeah. The two albums, three albums that they've put out with the new lead singer and still with Jerry Cantrell writing and singing are worth a listen. Uh, the right. Devil Put Dinosaurs Here is an unreal album. <laughs> Good title. Good title. I, I, They've got a great sound and their sound has that laid back kind of dirty garage sound, but with a, you know, bit of, bit of those, you know, those nice harmonies, like you said. Yeah, it just, I love to hear when a, when a band takes their sound and then um, transforms it a little bit. You know, they, they yeah. metamorphosize a little bit as, throughout their career. And, and yeah. I got bored of Alice in Chains kind of quick. Well, it's, it is hard because Kurt left us. We don't know what Nirvana would have become. And if they'd put out another three in uteros, would we have been like, come on, guys? Like, would their, would their legacy have been tainted? Every this album to thing. me was completely different for them. Like, they have it, their core sound, but every album was totally different. And I agree. Was, but what would the next one have been? A pile yeah, of trash? I'm that, imagine, yeah. I imagine, I imagine louder and dirtier and noisier, but less concerned with commercial success, perhaps. I would love to have seen them do. Uh, just some kind of experimental noise, heavily influenced yeah. by Sonic Youth. Yeah. And then you know, I, and then the MTV Unplugged album is an amazing testimony to what they could have done with acoustic guitars. Uh, yeah. On on that yeah. regard as well, it was yeah. a stunning record. I thought that was a lovely reshaping and almost like the band covering themselves, which was nice. But I wouldn't have liked to have seen it gone in that direction. I mean, God forbid, Nirvana ended up doing what. F- Foo Fighters did and become the look. I just think Foo yeah. Fighters are, 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 are they've lost it. They're a dry turd on the sidewalk <laughs> of rock. But but they're so, I mean they were so like I, I, when they first happened, I was like, no way you're gonna come be able to come back on uh, on the back of grunge and do something. But man, the first few albums blew me away. Yeah, that was yeah. amazing. I, I make such a strong just... statement because the first three albums. I yeah. loved Foo Fighters yeah. albums. I yeah. loved, yeah. and I just, I'm like, they're just a oh, bit, they're on. just a bit vanilla now. Listen to anyway, us. Anyway, last, yep. last, I know, absolute cynics, as if we've done any better. But the, <laughs> but the, I'd like to go on the one that we share now, Soundgarden. Oh my gosh. That's on my okay. top three. So for me, it's it's for me, it's Sonic Youth, Nirvana, and Soundgarden, and Soundgarden. Yep. is is one. It, it's I think the one that doesn't necessarily aim for go for the the top chart busting 
thing, but it's it's typifies what grunge is all about. I agree. I think it had much better songwriting. It was much more than than things like Alice in Chains and the Mel, and Melvins and Green River. Yeah. That 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 Chris Cornell's voice and his lyrics and yeah. was was the epiphany of of grunge that emerged out of uh, out of metal. That their sonic wizardry with their guitars with Kim Thale is just incredible. Um, Brad Shepard on bass was just loose and creative and and innovative and. Yeah. Um, their drummer Matt Cameron, who also plays in Pearl Jam these days, is uh, a metronome and 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 rock solid. I to me love Soundgarden. To me, um, Soundgarden is the Led Zeppelin of the nineties. I couldn't agree with you more. Yep. Because and for and not just because of the 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 sorts of successes that they had or anything like that, but because of the the slower the, the riff driven sounds, the high vocal range. The, those really big fat riffs that they rely so heavily on. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they've got a slower tempo than what Zepp had and, and you know, they've got that garage sound that, um, that grunge had. Yeah. But I think to me, like side by side, it's just a 90s version of, of Led Zeppelin. But, you know, yeah. not, this, not a copy or anything. It's just that is a, That is a high tribute. No, I take that as a, as a, as a compliment yeah, to the band. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, That's what Soundgarden were a slow burn. They were a slow burn for me right through the 90s, right through the yeah, 90s, same. into the teens. Yeah. And just over time, the albums meant more and more and more to me. Yeah. Um, whereas Nirvana, you know, better to burn out than fade away, exploded in bright light into my life. Nirvana, uh, Soundgarden came in and just were there, all, walked all the way through my life and became much more meaningful to me. I think mm. something worth saying is that, you know, when Soundgarden came out with um, Super Unknown, we're recording Super Unknown, the, the producer is a guy called Michael Beanhorn, and he was speaking to Chris Cornell, not Michael enjoying Beanhorn. Beanhorn, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Fact check me. But um, he, he was dealing with demo tapes that Chris had written, and he wasn't thrilled with all, he was looking for the big, the big single, the big track um, to come. And he had a chat with Chris, and Chris is like, I'm trying to write what you know, Soundgarden is. I'm trying to write for Soundgarden. And the producer went, don't write for what you think the fans want, write what you want. And it ended up that Chris was saying, Cornell was saying he'd been listening to a lot of the Beatles. And a lot of the Beatles work, that um, song sensibility and experimentation, but but key song-driven stuff informed in particular, you know, Black Hole Sun and um, Super wow. Unknown as well. It's some really interesting stuff. Wow. Dig deep on that. I respect the depth I don't, they weren't a scene band. They were creative. They were artists in the truest sense. They were trying to make something bigger than themselves, not just adhere to a scene or be rock stars. I like how, you know, I like there's there's some lyrics, for example, that are quite subversive a little bit as well, like, or a bit yeah. also like personal reflections. So if you think about songs like um, Jesus Christ Pose, for example, oh, yeah. that imagery, but it's a, it's a personal song about some, you know, mu- Self-professed televangelist. No, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's a pretty subversive song, but it's a it's you know sung from a first person perspective, sung from Chris Cornell's perspective as well, you know. So yeah, and and bit of bit of 
good old fashioned self depreciation in outshined, for example, as well. I think that how good fits. are the lyrics? What are the lyrics? I'm I'm looking California. I'm feeling I'm feeling Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. His, his lyrics were often impenetrable and they were like a mystery wrapped in a riddle sometimes. They were dark, of, I think but I bit, liked that. Um, yeah, I think a little bit allegorical sometimes. Um, but, but yeah, it was... But sometimes they were like just straight up um, encompassing that, that grunge feeling, like Fell on Black Days, for example. Yeah. You know, I think that, that sort of... Those sorts of songs really... Fourth really, of July. Yeah. Just that end of yep. the world kind of feeling yeah yep. so i think uh I, I think that band you know it definitely deserves its its place in the top three there i've talked in our episode i uh, forget which one when um it was about music videos i think and i talked about the music yeah. video for loud love and there is a moment where i thought that Soundgarden in 89 or whenever that song came out could have gone the poison and warrant cherry pie route yeah. with with big booty babes yeah. and all that. But yeah. don't look at the video clip for loud love they are dark in the shadows that yep. song is incredible incredible the mo- the intro where well, you think it's guitar squealing and then it's chris cornell's voice <laughs> high screen it's, yeah. it is an incredible song i just think i have so much respect for soundgarden so do, what common elements do we have soundgarden is our one over yeah, well one yeah and and a bit of nirvana crossover yeah. there. i'm going with the big four it's like the big four of thrash you know mm. oh, i don't want to start another controversy here the big four of thrash you know metallica Uh-oh. metallica megadeth anthrax and sepultura you know Ooh. like yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah it's yeah. like the big i'm not gonna argue of, too much with that one yeah that's right yeah. another time and look and as we kind of draw this to a close i've got to say that bands like rage against the machine bands like primus whom yeah. we love would never have found major label releases would never have found no. success and sold gold or platinum albums no. No. without nirvana and the explosion the musical coming of age of grunge in the 90s yeah, yeah. And for me in particular, then after, you know, grunge, as I'm going into high school and, and university, the, it gave rise to the wonderful, wonderful era in Australia of, of indie guitar bands in the nineties. Yeah. I've yeah. got to name check them. Bands like UMI, Spiderbait, Regurgitator, yeah. Custard, The Cruel Sea, Ammonia, The Meanies, Tumbleweed, just Magic impacted dirt. me. Magic Dirt. So we could go on and on, but those bands, even like bands like the Dirty Three, yeah. um, you know, bands like that that just informed my uni years, informed the years of us trying to play in bands and yeah. all of that stuff. They stood on the shoulders of the explosion of grunge, and in particular the Big Three and Four that we've talked about. Um, I am. Um, I think that. Uh, it, oh, actually, just incidentally, um, Spider Bait's first album, Shush of a Glover, has just come out on streaming streaming services again. There like you it, go. It never was released. I was, I was like, oh, I'd love to hear that again. Dig out my old CD. It's come out. Have a good listen to it. It is old a man great, Sam. It is a great record. Yep. 
Super thrashy. Love those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that, and I just think when you, when I saw Australian bands making it, they felt like, they were local footy players that made it to the AFL. You know, they were inspirational. <laughs> yeah. They're like your local yeah. guys made good. Whereas yeah. Nirvana were those guys on the wall that you that were your superheroes. You know, yeah. they were Marvel yeah. characters almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. I listened to Nevermind yesterday and it is as fresh for me today and yeah. potent as it ever was. Um, yeah. Even if, yeah. if not more so. Yeah. So I, as as we go out, I'm under, I wonder what what now, what, what will music reinvent itself to now? I point to artists like Billie Eilish, who I think is reinventing what pop means. And I think I respect her a lot. Artists like Lord, who I think is also the voice of a generation and doing incredible, um, making incredible art and music. Mm. Um, and, and there's an Australian artist called Sampa the Great. Um, she, she's incredible as well, just about fusing hip hop and, and indie and world music and things like that. It's, it's incredible. But there's a whole gamut of stuff out there emerging. And I... Look forward to hearing the 13-year-olds of today what their great musical awakenings are and what scenes are important to them. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Very interesting. I've got a fact of the week for you, Leon. Hit me. Did you know Brian May, guitarist of Queen, has a doctorate in astrophysics, a PhD in astrophysics? Get out of here. Are you serious? Fact of the week. Astrophysics? Fact of the week. A PhD? Dr. Brian May, PhD in astrophysics. Yep. That's crazy. Smart guy. Remember, hey, guys, thank you for listening. I would love to hear your thoughts on grunge or what has been your musical awakening? Were you you an emo kid that just loved emo, My Chemical Romance? Was that your (laughs) musical awakening? Was it... The great rock revival of the yeah. uh, of the noughties. What was it? Was yeah, it the yeah. Strokes? Hit us up. Yeah. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, you can find us at Supersonic Chat. And also, if you like what you hear and you've got a couple of minutes, jump onto Apple Podcasts and give us a rating, preferably five stars, of course, for our wonderful work. It helps to get our visibility up to anyone who might not have heard our Sonic Thought Experiments. And guys, if you could do us a favor, just think of one friend, one friend that you know that loved Nirvana, that loves music, that loves podcasts. Flick this over to them and just say, hey, you might enjoy this. Thank you for listening. This has been another wonderful episode of Supersonic Chat. Thank you, Leon. Thank you, listeners. We look forward to seeing you next time.